Okay, open your Bibles to Colossians, please. And um, I will be reading the first four verses of chapter 3. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory." We've made it to chapter three of this wonderful letter of uh, Colossians and chapter three. If you just let your eyeball glance ahead um, at what's coming in chapter three, chapter three of Colossians goes very well with what we're doing uh, in this school year uh, for our midweek uh, discipleship groups and also for the adult Sunday school class um, discipleship is what we're um, studying and doing um, in those uh, times together or the responsibilities of the Christian life. Because Colossians chapter 3 tells what were the behaviors that were to put off as Christians and the behaviors that were to put on. And these are the responsibilities of the Christian life. Being a disciple of the Lord means putting off uh, the one and putting on uh, the other. So behaviors to put off. Uh, in, uh, these are mentioned in chapter 3 here, verse 5, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, um, skipping down to verse 8, anger, wrath, malice, slander, um, abusive speech. So those are the behaviors you put off as you grow as a disciple in Christ. And then it, it mentions behaviors to put on. You're to replace it with these kind of uh, behaviors, like in verse 12, a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, um, and uh, love, peace, thankfulness, and uh, being submissive to God-given authority. And so this is our this is our purpose as believers. This is our purpose um, as a church, and especially in, in this time as we're focusing in on discipleship and these uh, responsibilities, is to grow strong in those things: humility, love, uh, unity what it means to submit to uh, God-given authority and to do it uh, gladly. We're to grow strong in those things um, as individuals, and we're to grow together in those things, help each other to grow together, not just uh, grow um, ourselves. And then we're to do this even if it costs us, and it may, in more than it has before in uh, the days to come. And so we're to be, be ready to pursue these things uh, and to suffer if necessary in uh, seeking these things. And so my purpose in uh, going through Colossians has actually been to slow down once we get to chapter three and uh, consider these traits of a Christian and these responsibilities of a Christian one by one at a leisurely pace. So maybe you already think we're going slow, but my point was to slow down even more when we get to um, chapter three. So the Apostle Paul had a very specific reason for writing to the little church in the little town of Colossae. And uh, mostly his reason was a negative reason. There was something bad, well, something good and bad that he heard uh, about uh, the church. The reason he wrote to this church in Colossae is because they were starting to get into things that other churches weren't into and not good things. 
And uh, Paul warns them against these things that were taking root in Colossae, and he does this in uh, chapter 2. And so they're very specific things like um, delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels. That's what he warns them against in uh, verse 18. Taking your stand on visions that you've seen and being inflated without cause in the fleshly uh, mind. Submitting to principles such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Um, and uh, uh, self-made religion, verse 23, self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, which are of no value against fleshly indulgences. So these are some of the things that were being promoted in Colossae wrongly that were unique to the Colossians. And so Paul wrote this letter to kind of nip it in the bud, to cut it off before it spread to other churches and especially to uh, churches in some of the bigger cities that were right next door to Colossae, which is uh, Hierapolis and Laodicea. That was kind of a tri-cities area all in the same uh, val- valley. But this this kind of um, false teaching and false practice was taking root in the church in Colossae. And that's why he wrote this letter to the church in Colossae. It includes warning against things that are Uniquely Colossian. You know, you don't really find anything more about them in other parts of scripture because they were only taking place in um, Colossae. But chapter 3, now, Paul could write to any church. It's not unique to the Colossians. And in fact, he did write something like this in all of his letters. So this is just very generic advice that he would give to any church at any time. And he includes it at the letter uh, to uh, the Colossians. It's about um, the Christian life. In fact, this is the life that was being eclipsed by all the things that the Colossians were getting into that they shouldn't have gotten into. The things that the Colossians were getting into that uh, other churches were not. So Paul writes them here as he gets to chapter three. This is instead of all these distractions, instead of these other things that you're getting into, this is the life that you should be be uh, that should be um, you should be growing in this kind of life. And it's the kind of it's the Christian life. It's the life that he wrote to every uh, church in every city uh, about. And what kind of life is it? What are the responsibilities of the Christian life? Well, the central responsibility of the Christian life is, and what, what, what do you think I'm going to say at this point? The central responsibility of the Christian life is love, is love. That's, that's the central thing about this life. And I'm not making that up. Verse 14, uh, when Paul gives these traits that we're to be putting on, he says, beyond all these things, and he's mentioned a bunch of things like uh, humility, all good things, forgiveness, beyond all these things, put on love which is the uniting bond of perfection. And usually when I hear that phrase, I think, well, the, the, the uniting bond of perfection that unites us together is in church is uh, love. And I think he may have had that in mind, but it, it may also be what gives the Christian life and all of its virtues, all the things that he's mentioned. It's the uniting bond of perfection. Maybe he means both of those things. At the same time, they're closely um, related to each other. But love is like the beating heart of the Christian life and all the other traits of the Christian life, uh, humility, kindness, gentleness, uh, patience are like the arteries that come out from that beating heart, uh, that are not beneficial unless they're connected to that uh, beating heart. That central thing, the thing that gives unity to everything else that you're to seek beyond all other things in the Christian life, which is, uh, uh, love. So where do you get this love? How do you grow in this kind of love? Where do you find this all-important love? Well, you won't find this love deep within yourself. 
That's where the world, in all of its wisdom, teaches that all good things come from. It's from looking within, looking deep down uh, within yourself uh, to almost the unfathomable depth that you're going to find something good there at the center of uh, your being. If you look for this love there that you need for uh, the Christian life, you won't find any of it. You'll find this love only along with faith and hope. And when I say faith and hope, I mean faith and hope in another who is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the place where this love that's the very center of the Christian life is uh, found. If you find this love by faith and hope in another, not yourself, but in another, the Lord Jesus Christ, you will have this love that's to be at the heart of the Christian life. You'll have it in such abundance that you'll have more than you need for yourself yourself, and you'll have to give it away to others. That's what the Lord Jesus uh, talked about to the woman at the well, woman that he met, uh, most unlikely person that he you could have thought of for the Lord uh, to minister. She was the first person that he told that he was the Christ. Um, and then he started talking to her about water. And he said, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will, will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. It'll be an inexhaustible source. Of, of life and the life of love. That's the kind of uh, life that he is uh, talking about. And so uh, when you know, when you have this kind of love, not finding it deep within yourself, apart from faith, apart from hope, but finding it through faith and through hope in uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll find enough of this love to wash away the things that you're supposed to put off, like uh, anger, like wrath, like hostility, like malice. And uh, you'll find in the overflow, you can fashion and cause these other things to grow like uh, thankfulness, uh, like humility, like uh, gentleness, like being able to forgive others because you found uh, this love. You found it in, in an inexhaustible source of this love like a fountain, and you found it through faith and love in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul put it like this in another letter. This is always his theme in all of his letters. Um, but he put it like this in another uh, letter. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. But what means everything? Faith working through love. Faith working through love. In other words, it's a love. You don't find it in yourself. You find it in Christ. You find it uh, in him, and it works through the love. That's what you're believing in is the love uh, of Christ that you find uh, in him, and it does a work. It does a, a, a mighty work, uh, actually an unconquerable work. Uh, in us. So importantly, in chapter three, we're going to get to this uh, uh, part of it. You find all the behaviors that were to put off and then the behaviors that were to put on. But before you get to this list of behaviors to put off and behaviors to put on prior to it, in, in these verses, verses one through four, the verses that I read uh, this morning, you find the fountainhead of all of them, which is faith, hope, and love faith, hope, and love. Now, um, you don't find that those mentioned by name in verses one through four, faith or hope or love. You don't find uh, any of them, uh, but you find um, you find them described. You find them described. In fact, those are the things that are described um, exactly because the whole Christian life, with all its virtues, with all its responsibilities, the whole life of discipleship is found inside the life of faith hope and love that traces out the whole thing. Uh, and none of it is found outside of that. So you, before you get to any of the responsibilities, the other responsibilities of the Christian life, you find the fountainhead 
and you're reminded of this. Don't, don't, don't go to those before you go to this. And you're reminded of faith and hope and love. I said none of, none of those are mentioned specifically by name. They're just described. Faith, hope, and love. But uh, Paul does mention all three of them in the prayer that he does at the beginning of uh, Colossians. And this is usually where Paul introduces what he's going to talk about in the rest of the letter. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, just gives his opening prayer and thanksgiving. We thank we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. And now uh, Paul gets to the point where he's telling him to grow in all these things. And he's saying, this is what it's as if he's saying, this is what I'm thankful for is your faith and your love. And it's all because of the hope uh, that you heard about in the gospel. Don't get distracted from it now. Don't don't forget all that and seek some kind of second tier of Christian maturity that's different from what you had uh, before. No, keep going in those things, faith and hope and love, and cause those things to take deep root uh, in you and then blossom forth in all of the attributes of uh, a Christian. Okay, well, uh, how are you to take deep root in faith and hope and love, and in all those things uh, to um, grow in all of the attributes of a Christian. Well, he tells you in verse uh, 1 through 4, we looked at the first two verses last time, so this will be a little bit of a review um, from last time, but in the first two verses of this uh, chapter, you find two commands. It's, it's really kind of the same command stated twice. Seek the things above and set your mind on the things above. So seek the things above and set your mind on on the things uh, above. And uh, this morning, we're looking at verses uh, three and four. It's really just going to be reasons. It's going to be three reasons or three encouragements to do what he commanded in verse one and two. Seek the things above. Set your mind on uh, the things above. So by way of review, what does it mean to seek things above? What does it mean to set your mind on things above? Well, we talked about this last time. The things that he's talking about are all the virtues of the Christian life that are going to be listed uh, and enjoined upon us in uh, chapter three. What does it mean that you're to seek those things above? Seek those things above. Well, let me tell you just two things that it means. You're to seek those things outside of yourself. It's above. It's above. It has a, it's a place where those things reside, those things that you're seeking and seeking to grow in. Those things are to be sought above, outside of yourself, and even this outside of the earth, outside of anything that this world has uh, to offer. And where are they to be sought? Well, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And there you will find uh, something where Christ is, uh, which is not found on this earth. It's only found above. It's only found where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And what do you find? You find love. You, in fact, you find the love that's at the heart of the Christian life. That's to be the beating heart that all the capillaries of uh, the, the other attributes of the Christian life are connected to. There's only one place where you find that love. It's not here on this earth. It's, it's in Christ. It is uh, above. And it's, it's love. It's actually a specific kind of love. And that's why you won't find it anywhere on earth. It's a love for the undeserving. That's the love that is Christ's own. And it's totally unique. It's totally unique. It's not found anywhere else. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 7. It's well known, but let me uh, read it. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love, his own unique brand of love toward us 
in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I hope you catch uh, the comparison because the comparison is between something that's rare on this earth compared with something that's unheard of on this earth. Um, the thing that's rare on this earth, it hardly happens. It scarcely happens. One will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare to die. So this is rare for someone to die on behalf of a good person. There's not very many people that are willing to do that. But maybe if you looked at, uh, I don't know, the Navy SEALs or somewhere like that, you'd find someone who's willing to die for his companion, who's an honorable person, who's a good man, and he's willing to die. Maybe some of them, uh, the few, the proud, might be willing to do that. You'll find that. Um, you scarcely find it. You'll have to look hard. It's rare on earth. But this is what's unheard of on earth. God demonstrates his own love towards us in the while we were yet sinners. Christ died. Someone who doesn't deserve love at all. Someone who's not like uh, your buddy fighting in the trenches with you, but like the person who's fighting against you, like an enemy. And God's love is he's willing to give his love to the undeserving. And that's how he demonstrates his own love towards us. And so that um, kind of love is found not deep within yourself apart from faith. No. In fact, it's not even found on this earth anywhere else. It's found at the right hand of God, the Lord uh, Jesus Christ uh, himself. And yet that's the kind of love that's at the heart of all the other Christian virtues. That's the uniting bond of perfection to all of the other uh, Christian virtues is, uh, is, is found only in Christ. Um, and that kind of love, it's not a rare earth material. It's alien to this world. It's an extraterrestrial kind of love. It's a love that came down. Uh, to us and now is at the right hand uh, in uh, Christ. It's an unheard of kind of love that eye has not seen on this earth and ear has not heard about it, nor has it entered into the heart of man to even dare to hope for that kind of love, that that kind of love might even um, exist, but it's God's idea. And it's found in the very heart uh, of God and it's found now at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus uh, himself. So uh, the command is to seek the virtues that are yours in Christ, that are found there to set your mind on those things uh, that are found in uh, Christ as the source of all of the virtues of uh, the Christian life, specifically love and that kind uh, of love. Paul now gives three reasons to keep seeking the virtues there and nowhere else and to set your mind on what's there with Christ himself, the the resurrected and ascended Christ uh, himself. So he's going to give three reasons to keep doing that, to keep doing what he already commanded. Uh, to set your mind on things above. And uh, now we get to our verses. That's the introduction uh, to it. And uh, the first point is this. This is the first reason to keep seeking the things above. And it's this. It's found at the beginning of verse 3. For you have died. For you have died. For you have died. Um, what was the best thing about you before you were saved? Can you think back uh, to that time? And maybe if you're saved as a really young child, like I think I was, it might be, you'll have to uh, think about more theologically about what the best thing you were. Maybe you remember it. Maybe it's pretty vivid uh, to you. Um, what was the best thing about you before you were saved? Well, you had a conscience. The Bible says that. The Bible says a conscience, a, a sense of right and wrong is stamped on the heart of every single person. Um, even if they're not saved, uh, 
and you can't escape it. Everybody has a basic sense of right and wrong. It's part of what it means to be a human being created in the image of God. You can twist it. You can, you can, you can, uh, sear the conscience. You can quiet it a little bit, but you can't totally escape it. And so your conscience was one of the best things about you before you were saved. Um, another, one of the best things about you before you were saved is maybe moments, and maybe they were just fleeting moments before you were saved of your most noble aspirations. So maybe it would just come upon you, kind of a, an aspiration towards truth or beauty or towards uh, goodness. Uh, maybe you were a selfish person before you were saved, totally self-absorbed. But maybe there's one person that you just found easy to love. Maybe it was a child. Maybe it was a grandchild. Maybe it was uh, somebody who kind of just brought out the best um, in you and brought out a kind of selflessness uh, towards that person or at least a desire to be selfless towards that uh, person. And so uh, think of the best thing about you before you were saved, whatever it, whatever it might be. And sometimes uh, salvation is thought of in this way that taking on Jesus or believing in Christ is like uh, eating a super vitamin for that best thing uh, about you that makes those things now bigger and better and stronger because of uh, Christ and gives those things uh, more muscles so that uh, before you were saved, those things were certainly not enough to be strong enough to overcome the darker things uh, that were within you to cause you to live a, a, a godly life. But now after you've taken Jesus, it's kind of a super vitamin to the better part uh, of yourself. It is enough. Now you should, you have enough to live uh, a godly life. That's not what believing in Christ is like. Faith takes you outside of yourself. In fact, it's the only thing that's able to take you outside of yourself and into another. And into another. It takes you outside of yourself, both the worst parts of yourself and the best parts of yourself as well. And puts the center of your personality into another which is Christ. And it's true of faith, not just any faith, but faith in the crucified and resurrected Son uh, of God. In fact, faith is in Christ is the only way. It's by despairing even of the best parts of you and trusting in another who was crucified and risen for you. And that faith, that kind of faith, is such a break from your former self, both the best and the worst of your former self, that the scripture calls it a death. You've died when you believe in uh, Christ. That whole person that you were, the whole center of your personality, not just the worst parts, but even the best parts of it, has died. And as you continue to trust in Christ, you continue to know what it means to trust in Christ as your faith um, is tested, and you keep on trusting in him, it continues to be a death to your entire old self, what you were uh, before Christ, uh, so that you're putting to death that old self uh, every every uh, single day. So the first reason to keep seeking the virtues that are not deeply buried in yourself, apart from faith uh, in Christ, in fact, that are not even found in this world, but to seek them above in Christ uh, through faith. The first encouragement uh, for that is you have died. And it's a description of what's happened to you when you first believe. And it's uh, what happens to you, what continues to happen to you as you continue to uh, believe. Your faith in Christ has brought about, is continuing to bring about a death of the old you. So much that scripture says that you have died. The second reason to keep seeking these virtues that we're going to dwell on in chapter three, not in yourself, apart from faith, uh, not in the world, 
but above in Christ is uh, mentioned also in verse 3. And uh, it's, of course, that your death brings about its counterpart. Your death and a crucified and risen Christ brings about its counterpart, which is a new life, a resurrection kind of life. You have died, and here's the second reason. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. The only person who has the kind of love that's from above, the kind of love that is for undeserving sinners, that's how uh, lavish this love is, and then it permeates a whole atmosphere of a whole different kind of life, is the resurrected Christ himself. And by faith, your life is there with him. That's where the whole center of your personality uh, is found. You're at home there in that atmosphere, with that kind of love. Your life uh, is found uh, there. Paul doesn't describe your life being with Christ in God as a work in progress under construction. He doesn't say your life will increasingly be with Christ in, in God as you grow more worthy of his love. No, he says it's there. Your life is there with him, with Christ uh, in God. That's where your life is uh, home. That's the center of your uh, personality. He doesn't say it's a work in progress. He just says it's there, but it's hidden. It's hidden. It's hidden with Christ in God. And what does he mean by that? It's hidden from sight. It's hidden to all but the eyes of faith. It's by faith that you know that your life is hidden with Christ in, in God. And that is uh, the truth. You know it uh, by faith. That faith is what's being tested by various trials. The Lord sends you not to destroy your faith, but actually to strengthen your faith and to show you that it's real. Um, and so it's by faith that your life is hidden with Christ in God. And since faith is not by sight, we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. It's hidden that your life is with Christ in God. What is hidden? What is hidden? Um, he talks about this being a, a hidden life, and I've, I've thought about this, and I think the thing that's maybe the way to capture what is what is hidden about the fact that our life is hidden with Christ in uh, God, what is hidden is that you are the object of God's love, that you're the object of God's love. It's not obvious that you're the object of God's love. You don't look different from people who are not the objects of God's uh, love in this way. You look the same. Is them. It's hidden to all but the eyes of uh, faith. For example, your body is dying. If God really loved you in Christ, if your life was hidden with Christ in God, uh, in in His love, why would your body be dying? Uh, because it's hidden. It's because it's hidden to all of the eyes, all but the eyes of faith. Um, Ephesians chapter one, verse six and seven describes uh, God's love. For us, in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished uh, upon us. And so the riches of God's grace, the riches of his love are not just given to us, they're lavished upon us. And yet that fact is hidden. It's hidden uh, from us uh, except to the eyes of faith. It's hidden that you're loved in that way that you're loved lavishly, and also that that same love is at the center of your personality. That love is your life. The love that's found in Christ is your life, and it's an all-conquering love. It's hidden now, but it's there. It's there, and it's to be revealed uh, later. 
So the first reason to keep seeking these virtues, to set your mind on the virtues, not in yourself apart from faith, where you look at yourself and what you see is what you get and you're trying the best you can to live the Christian life, to not seek these virtues in the world or in the wisdom of the world, but to seek these virtues above as the source of uh, your being is that you've died. Your old way of life has died by faith. The second reason is that your life, your true life, the source of your life, it's hidden. It's not obvious, but it's there. It's hidden with Christ in God. Uh, Christ himself in the deepest love that's found in God and your life is hidden uh, there. The third reason, and this is where the hope comes in, uh, as well as faith, because this one relates to the future. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. This is uh, in the future. The, what's hidden, the life of yours that's hidden with Christ in God, it's hidden now, but it's not always going to be hidden. In fact, for all eternity, it's going to be um, revealed um, that our life is hidden with Christ in uh, God. And so when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. What event is he talking about here? When Christ is revealed and then our life is going to be revealed with him uh, in glory. He's talking about the second coming of Christ. Suddenly, Christ is going to return uh, for his church and it will mean a great change, a visible change for his people. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And then we will be like him. We will look like uh, the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. We will have bodies that are no longer dying, that no longer look like maybe you're not loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, but bodies that live uh, forever. And uh, that's to happen in the twinkling of an eye. And so this is the third and final reason that Paul gives why you're to be seeking these virtues uh, above. One day what you're believing by faith is going to be seen by sight. And it's going to be all at once. It's going to be when Christ himself returns. I think we're getting close to uh, that uh, day. Believers' lives are hidden with Christ. What we really are is hidden with Christ by faith because Christ himself is hidden. But there's a day that's going to come when the one who appeared in shame on a cross and as a man of uh, sorrows is going to be revealed in his glory. He's going to be revealed as king of kings and lord of lords and as uh, a conquering warrior. And uh, we then will be revealed what we really are is going to be revealed with him in glory. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. What is this glory? It's the glory of being loved by God with this special kind of love. If you're loved by God, you should look like it, unless it's hidden, which it is uh, now. But uh, at, at this point, the love that God has for you is going to be obvious, that you're a favorite of God, that you're an object of God's lavish love upon you, and all that is hidden now, it's real now, that you're the object of that very kind of love uh, is going to be revealed with him in glory, the very glory, the manifest glory of being loved by the Lord. What will that look like? What will that look like? Well, the Bible tells us, and it just gives us kind of hints and glimpses. It's going to be what happens to all the saints at the moment that Christ returns, and then it's going to be what we are for all of uh, eternity. Uh, the Bible talks about it in hints, 
in glimpses, and so I, I don't think we can talk about it uh, in detail. In fact, the Bible often just talks about it in the negative, like saying there's going to be no pain, there's going to be no sorrow um, in the future when uh, we actually have what our inheritance is going to be. Our body is no longer going to be aging. Our body is going to no longer be dying. It's going to be ready to live uh, forever. But let me say just two things uh, about it, what's going to happen when we, our life is revealed with him in glory. Let me say two things about it. One is it's going to be better than you can imagine. It's going to be better than you can imagine. You won't want to go back. I remember when I was a kid, I, I'm so used to life on this earth that the idea of thinking of dwelling for eternity in something that's different from everything that I'm used to was kind of a scary thought to me. And someday I'm going to be in heaven or with the Lord or in the new heavens and new earth, and it's going to be just as real as now, and it's going to be for all of eternity. Just kind of a strange thought, especially as a kid. I can remember asking my dad uh, about it. But but the answer is found really in just trusting the Lord. It's, it's the Lord who's given us life now, this, this cursed life on earth that we actually love. He's going to give us the perfect thing. And uh, so we, it's, it's, the answer is found through trusting in the Lord. But it's going to be better than you can imagine, better than I can imagine um, as a kid. And you won't want to go back to uh, this life when we, uh, when our, we appear with Christ and it's manifested when we're revealed with him in glory. So that's the first thing to say about it. The second thing is this, that at that moment when it's obvious to sight, how much God loves you. God will not love you more then than he does now. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. It'll be apparent that he loves you then. Nobody will have to question it or uh, know it. Uh, you won't have to believe it by faith because you'll see it with your eyes. But he won't love you any more then than he does now. Your sins won't be any more forgiven then than they are now because your life is hidden with Christ in uh, God. You're to set your mind on that, those things, to set your mind on your life that's hidden with Christ in, in, uh, in, in God. That's the best thing about you. That's what you're to delight to meditate on, to set your mind on that. You're to dwell uh, on that. In fact, that's the point of our sufferings is to teach us to dwell on uh, those things, to teach you you can trust in the love of your father, to teach you that he's giving you being an overcomer in the midst of your uh, sufferings. So set your mind on your life that's hidden in Christ, in the love of Christ for you. Hidden now to be revealed later. Set your mind on that love and then make that same love the center of your character that you give to others. Build a whole life and it's going to give the bricks that you're to build that whole life with. Uh, but you're to build a whole life around that love. It's the love that Christ has for you, and it's the love that he's put in your heart now as the center of your uh, personality. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Well, we've been talking about what's hidden, and also talking about how central that is. Uh, something that you can't see now. You believe it by faith. You hope in it. Uh, it's a love that you can't see, but you will in uh, the future. One of the places where what is normally hidden is revealed to view now, although it's just revealed in symbols, is the Lord's Supper. Where what is normally hidden, you can see it, you can touch it, you can taste it, or at least a symbol, a picture of it. It's at the Lord's uh, Supper. And what you're seeing by, by way of pictures, what you're handling and what you're uh, putting in your mouth by way of uh, uh, symbols and pictures and what's going to be said to give these meaning is that your life is bound up 
and united with the body and the blood of Christ. And so you're to experience this in a symbol. You're, you're, to, you're to know it as central in order that you might remember and continue to believe and believe it even, even more that your life is hidden with Christ in God, that his body is yours, that his blood uh, is yours uh, as well. And so we do this at uh, the Lord's table. As we reaffirm this at the Lord's table this morning, don't miss in the whole thing the note of love. The note of love. In fact, it's not a note. It's the whole thing. It's what the Lord's Supper is about. Take, eat. This is my body, which is for you. There's no more loving thing that the Lord can say to you than that. That my body is for you. And that's what we, you're to take it. You're to eat it. You're to remember that his body is for you. Drink. My blood is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. There's no more loving thing that the Lord could say to you uh, than that. And so the love that's found in Christ is yours. You're the object of that love by faith. It's a, it's a, it's a portal to a totally different kind of life. The forgiveness that's found in Christ is yours. The power that's found in the body and the blood of Christ is yours. And it's so lavish, it's more than you need. You're to recognize that for yourself. Be reminded of that at the Lord's table. And then you're to build a life, not based on yourself and for yourself, but build a life based on Christ and for others. And that's what his love uh, is for. All right, let's bow in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for the love of Christ that was shown to us in what Christ did when he went to the cross willingly and he laid down his life, shed his blood, became a spectacle of shame for us and in our place. And then when he rose again in uh, victory that we might live forever having conquered death through his body and through his blood. Father, we thank you that a great love stood behind this uh, event and this mission that you sent Christ on, uh, a love that goes all the way back to your heart and the heart of what it means to be God, the love of the Father for the Son and the love of the Son uh, for the Spirit. And this love is so great that it overflows into a love for sinners that sent your Son to uh, the cross. And we thank you that our life is hidden in that love that's found in the body and the blood of Christ. Lord, teach us to think of ourselves and our life as there, and then teach us to build a life in the whole atmosphere of that uh, love, that undeserved love. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.